This is going to be another episode of Banter Give and Go with me and Maui. And obviously, we are into the NBA season. We did our episode last time, which even though the season had begun, because there are 82 games, we did it as sort of like a season guide slash preview and gave our thoughts on the favourites, the dark horses, who's going to flop. Essentially, also talked about some of the trades and that. So we thought we'd do something of a, a similar vein, but a bit of a tweak. So what we'll do is... I won't say it's like the mid-season report card, however, but we're sort of going to look at teams and try to ask the question like we would in Counter-Strike. Think about half of what we do on Counter-Strike shows, especially a show with someone like Kassad, is essentially just roster management, isn't it? It's like, right, is this aspect overrated? Is they actually, do they need to get like a better AWPA? What about the in-game leader? Is his style fit the team? Let's do some of those things with some of the big names right now. So do you have one coming off the top you want to start with? Um, yeah, so I kind of was focusing more of what I was looking at on not the teams that I thought were per se the favorites to yes. win it all because, because I, I mean, I was kind of just thinking in general that say like the Nuggets and Celtics, I mean, barring, barring like Jamal Murray coming back to the Nuggets, I don't really want to change anything too sure. drastically yes. with that team. Absolutely. Uh, the Celtics themselves, I think look really good too. So I'm not really too interested, but then it's kind of like some of the teams that are a little bit down down the the standings list here and there and i'm thinking to myself like okay what would convince me that this team has a real shot now at competing for the trophy and so i especially with how the in-season tournament has actually influenced how i've been perceiving these kind of matches because it just feels like there's more stakes to them i've been looking pretty closely at some of those guys like well, people are definitely Knicks, playing Bucks. harder in those games man. Yes. Like, even though exactly. i wasn't a fan of this premise look the problem is the regular season just because of the load management became shit in the nba so i actually yeah. do think that season the tournament is sort of it's like what they've changed in the all-star game it does actually serve the purpose they designed it for fair play it's it's a win. It's actually yeah, a huge win. For me. I'm I'm actually I, I'm I was really really impressed by the level of play that we saw out of both of the semifinals games, which happened yesterday as of the time of recording this, where it felt like I mean, like the Lakers looked way better than they usually look during the regular season. Uh, the Pelicans looked super shaky, like in a big pressure moment match, is kind of, which is kind of what I would expect more yep. so in the playoffs. Um, then I, I think of actually like, so so I want to start with the, this team. I want to start with this team because they just lost on the Eastern Conference. The Knicks, you said, yes. Or that was like the quarterfinals. I was thinking the Bucks. The oh, the Bucks, Bucks is who we want to do, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. Because the, the Bucks, it seems like there's some warning signs now for this team because the way that they lost to the Pacers was in part due to what was kind of, I, I thought they would figure it out. I thought they would figure out the perimeter defense stuff, but I'm still really concerned about the fact that Damian Lillard is a traffic cone. This guy is not, he's not really able to do anything on the defensive end. That being said, like the Bucks didn't actually use Damian Lillard to guard Tyrese Halliburton all the time. But when it happened, it was just a simple blow by. Like it's a free point, it's a free bucket if Damian Lillard gets caught in a mismatch and then he's suddenly guarding the opponent's best perimeter player. So that was super concerning to me um, because also down the stretch, they they did a really bad job of feeding Giannis. Like they actually, like it felt like Lillard was taking all these perimeter shots. That they, uh, they had a couple players that were just taking threes, trying to bomb those in, as opposed to going with their tried and tested MVP caliber player who is probably still a top three player in the league in Giannis. And so roster construction right now, it just feels like, but it's like it's kind of like a rubber band where Giannis is pulling at one end, Lillard is pulling at another for the offense. And I would rather, instead of it stretching and thinning out in the middle, I'd rather it just actually become a little bit more lopsided in terms of Giannis's favor. 
I mean, one thing that's an obvious problem their team has, in my opinion, and this is a classic problem in all sports teams, but the NBA is really bad for it, which is, do you know one of the worst things that can happen if you're a team that is from a franchise that's not supposed to win the chip is there's no way you are going to Knicks-style ruthlessly cut a bunch of people that you probably should. Uh, sorry, not Knicks, like um, like Patriots-style cut the people yeah, yeah. who you need to sort of upgrade from or move on from or stylistically change from. What you're going to do instead, you saw this with the Mavericks when they won in 2011, you're just going to hang on to all the main guys who want to stay as long as they can because it, essentially, since you don't win often, the joke is one banner for you. That is almost like a Hall of Famer for you. You are going to retire that guy's number. Of course, you want to keep him in your team. So if you look at their team, dude, one of the problems they have is this. Their team is so old at this point in time. Bro, they're so old. Like, people even forget. It's not like Giannis is super young himself. Like, this is his peak window. And he's had this period now where you had the awesome teams around him. You got, like, just enough when he was at his absolute peak to win. And now I feel like you've got just a little bit too, like, you're just too little. You're just, like, like the joke is, even though they did, because the, the, obviously the whole pair was that Damian Lillard was more even, perhaps, than he was in Portland. Whereas, as you say, he's less. He's actually less, believe it or not. It's why I'm always worried, Maui. My number one fear always, especially in the stat padding era, is perimeter player who doesn't respect his teammates and knows he is the shit, has the green light. That guy, especially if they're a shooter, is going to put up volume numbers. You almost can't stop them. It's They're just going to put do unlimited shots. But they're not going to necessarily be taking good shots, the right ones. They're not going to actually be doing the ones that make sense and all. They're just getting their numbers. And then what happens is when they lose, they can go, was well, it my fault? Yeah, first of all, Damien Lillard, I said this before when he got signed. It, it is your fault if this team doesn't win, mate. Like, we already know Giannis is really good. And he's in a yeah. team that works around. By the way, one thing I've always been, been impressed by, it's why I think, unfortunately, they probably did keep some of them and overpay them. There's the other thing I didn't mention, Maui. The mistake you also make as to why most teams move on, you move on both to upgrade, but you also move on because it just costs too much to keep championship rosters. People want more money because they just won the championship. And they know they can get 5 million, 10 million more from someone else. So you end up doing a couple of slightly bad deals, slightly bad deals. And the next thing you know, a bunch of your salary caps tied up with the same team, but you don't have the money to get an extra one. So you've done this massive blockbuster signing. For the books, by the way, this is like, think of this, guys. This isn't Vitality or G2. This is like if Entz did a massive signing. If it doesn't work, you can't go do another one. You just gotta, mm-hmm. you've got to try this signing out, mate. Like, you've made your signing. You've made your bed. This isn't the Lakers where a stupid LeBron fan can go, he needs help, give him, and then just insert an all-star name. And that's really plausible. Like, they could sign that guy. Maybe he does join to win the chip. Like, that's not happening. So, unfortunately, like, I do feel like there's a massive problem they've got right now. So Once I saw Damian Lillard wasn't even going to be as good, I lost all my hope for this team. Because even though the record looks awesome, they look like the regular season stompers, mate. They don't look like they'll make it in a series. Like, you're talking about, as you saw in the tournament. And then more importantly to me, because they're old players, they're known quantities. You can't teach these dogs or these old dogs new tricks, mate. You can't. So I actually think like the saddest thing is, if you ask me what I would add to their team, I wouldn't even say some stupid shit like some great fucking amazing lockdown defense. No, no, here's all I would say. They need like an up and coming, just like sort of perimeter talent who can just take some shots, make some shots, add us a bit of Doesn't have to be someone really good, by the way. I think of some of the people we talked about in past episodes, underrated, up and coming players. Give me someone who's just going to put like 15 good points on the board and can maybe like come off the bench or something and be like my attack dog or something. Someone like that, I think would just transform this team. Whereas at the moment, I agree. The main problem is if the, if the fulcrum is Lillard, they're not going to win the championship. 
It's sad because I no. was I thought I was a fan of his, but he's sort of turning me off this season, mate. It doesn't seem like he actually has the best knack. I'd say okay, so there's two different bucks that we just that I just witnessed. The one that played the Knicks and were able to just stomp them with incredible offense, where it <coughs> felt like everybody was being activated. I think that was due in part slightly because the Knicks just weren't doing uh weren't weren't doing a great job in terms of perimeter switches. Like every it felt like everybody on the Bucks hit a three at one point in that game. And I think I think at least like four or five people did. I think it I think five people at least hit like two threes in that game against the the Knicks in the in the quarterfinals and then in the semifinals game it just felt like the ball became a little bit more stagnant and it felt like a lot it was a lot more in terms of just chucking from Lillard like he would just dribble down I, I feel like he was shooting not the best percentage on some of it and just kind of doing iso plays which hasn't really been for my money the way that the Bucks have found success in the past even with their championship run sure they had Middleton and uh, Giannis that were doing super well and obviously Lopez too but like it, it felt like this was more Lillard kind of reverting back to his old ways where when he was on the Blazers, he couldn't necessarily rely on anybody. And he needs to, to me, learn how to play better as a, as a team. And he needs to figure out in a high pressure game how he's going to get Giannis activated because the lack of Giannis touches in that Pacers game made me really concerned. And so this the thing is with the Bucks, I actually I think it's still a team where. I actually kind of would just give it time. I'd kind of I'd kind of go over the footage a little bit more. I'd probably say to the team like, why didn't we move the ball as much in the late game there, and why and how do we make sure that it's more evenly distributed? Because I mean, bar none, Giannis should be taking more shots than anybody, and he's if he's not, then there's a problem, and that seemed to be the problem yesterday. I mean, one of the other things this kills me with is I actually think, look, it is only the first part of the season. I won't define his whole career by this. But this is a really bad look for what all the excuses for Lillard were in Portland. Like, obviously, he was the big gun, so you had to take the shots, right? Now, when you take the shots, Maui, another thing I hate about the player on the not-the-great team that does it is it excuses not playing defense because it's like James Harden. It's like, I've got to put all my energy in on offense. I can't play defense too. Well, guess what? Now, you need to play defense as well. And as you say, like... It's clearly just never going to be an elite defender, mate. That's just obvious at this point in time. And their team needs fucking defense. Like, the joke is, if you actually could go back in time now, and I could tell you for the same money, I can sign a, like, true point guard who distributes the ball, but is a lockdown defender. I'd take that instantly. I'd take mm -hmm. that immediately. That might even fix the problem. And then even the idea, mate, this motherfucker's a shooting guard. Stop saying you're a point guard. How can you have fucking Chris Middleton and Giannis and fucking Jay Crowder. You, mate, you should, this should be like fucking Showtime Lakers shit where you're just powing, pinging passes in all day long, slashing to the hoop, getting getting somewhat drawn the penetration, then you pass to Giannis under the basket. This should be awesome for you, mate. People like to bang on my boy Kobe for not passing. Kobe Bryant would be all over a fucking team like this, mate. He would love to have pieces like this, the dynamic pieces that you can get with. By the way, speaking of which, there's the guy who's been absolutely cocked by fucking Lillard. It's Chris Middleton. And just chopped liver to this team yeah, or something. Yeah. This guy was, look, I always thought it wouldn't last like he's your second option to win more rings. I get that. Dude, he's got to be involved more than this. Like, this guy's a way better player. Than, they're treating him like he's a loser. This is mental, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the second best player when they did have the, the championship run. He was. I would have said, like, and it was, and the thing is that. Really, the big difference between this team and that team is base is kind of you're just playing Lillard for Drew Holiday, and it's actually it's it, it 
it, it really is. It does show that there's just so much more to this game than just yes. simply box score numbers. Yep. Because Drew Holiday obviously wasn't scoring by any means close to what Lillard can or will. But it's just the the defense just made the the de it it flowed so much better when your first defender can at least stifle the opposing perimeter player because if that's if this is how things are gonna run all the time and Damian Lillard is just gonna let how can't try to pick up Halliburton transition and just not even contest him whatsoever you're you're just clutching at straws there's there's back practically nothing you can even do there on the defensive end. Who should we go to? That's the problem. The thing is, if we're going in the middle of the table, there's so many teams we could go with here. There's so yeah. many different angles. Okay. Like, how spoiler, about, well, I'll tell you what yeah. I picked, and I'll do it as a little bit of a brag. Okay. Tell you what, I'm looking fucking fire on that Miami Heat call now, aren't I, boys? <laughs> you all wanted to believe. What people don't get is this. I mean, you know this because it's sadly the nature of being an analyst. Part of being an analyst involves what they call in writing, killing your darlings, which is what they mean when you have to like slash a line you love, but you know it like it's a tighter book or it's a better sentence if I remove that part, right? Even though you thought it was great when you came up with it. One of the worst things is when you like a team and you want people to do well, but you know, analytically, they can't. And you know that if I'm going to be critical, I have to point out the flaws. So I told you, there's just no way this team can get it done. Like I told people already, you look at the squad, realistically, how many truly good NBA players are on this team? There's some like all right ones, there's some above average ones. They've got a decent mix of players. But again, if we're asking like who's going to go one-on-one and win a match, who's going to be the one who like carry a whole series? Because people are going to go, but obviously that's going to be Jimmy Butler. Like even he doesn't do it every time. And he's getting older and older and older as well, guys. Like he can't be, I, I actually think in this way, it's mainly attitude, I always say, carries his game. Like I actually think there's plenty of people have a very similar skill set and better than him in the NBA. And classically, he doesn't do it in the regular season. I get it because that isn't do or it's only the playoffs where he gets activated so you just see like this team mate this team's gonna be like they look like they'll just be fighting for one of the last playoff spots at this rate it's fucking it's wild and it's so sad because there's another thing you know the whole thing of like i you know obviously the heat's thing was like we're built around defense right another yeah. thing is i don't think defense works in 82 game regular season like in the regular season it's like playing an online match in counter-strike now everyone who's a who's got like op skills, hits every shot on the internet. They don't hit any of them yeah. on LAN, but this is what it's like. Every team that can shoot the three ball does score 130 points if they want in the regular season. So you can't defend that. Like it's essentially what the NBA have intentionally removed from the game is like defending perimeter players like that. So unfortunately, I also think they just don't have the firepower, man. I don't know how they get out of this situation. Like if they can creep into like a last place seed, they do have the chance again to do a spoiler or make it hard for someone. But this uh, this is an example of a team where it's like the you've just got like a good team, but it's not a very good team. It's not a championship team for me. No, that but that's also why for this team it was so exciting in the offseason when Lillard was the supposed yeah. player to join this Agreed. team because for Lowry it actually would seemingly make a little bit more sense. You'd obviously still have the woes on defense that Lillard does have, but compared to Lowry right now, like. What's what's weird enough is that actually Drew Holiday has been a better offensive player. Just to like continue the comparison sure. here, Drew Holiday has been a better offensive player than Kyle Lowry has been for the Heat, and that's not something I thought I was going to say two years ago. I, th I thought th I thought that Lowry was going to stay. Well, he's pretty old now, so he maybe is fucking old. Time, 
Remember, guys, he's, he's that, he's that championship was at the end for me of when he was still a good player. That was fucking years. That was four years ago now. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, he's he's 37 now. He's uh, he's right now his average. He's He's got the fifth most minutes on the team uh, in terms of per game, and he's scoring nine points per game that is just so abysmal in terms of your own your own output that if i were to do anything with the heat it would definitely it just be you just have to shop around a bit more on the probably the point guard position and i know that i don't i, I think lowry lowry does fit that defensive mindset like you were saying with it which was what the heat are trying to embody but they aren't actually getting anything but like you you do have to score too like in, in this in this league it's like if you have someone like Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, you think of those guys as very well-rounded two-way players that can do so much on both the like the both both the offensive and defensive end, and they're kind of like I would probably put them at like A minus slash B plus at both of those. But again, I, I it brings me back to that whole point that I, I continue <clears throat> to iterate in all of these shows is that with the NBA, you really do need some kind of superstar presence for offensive yes. output. And as it stands right now, it seems like Butler can elevate himself to that level come playoff time. But throughout a regular season, he clearly doesn't have that right now. And so it's just too much of a far cry for, for this team to expect that somehow Lowry's going to get it back or Duncan Robinson's going to be doing some more. Like, I, I don't know where they're supposed to be finding more. By the way, there's where they're fucked, mate. Duncan Robinson's even had a globe. He's even yeah. played arguably better than you'd expect. And it's still, it's still sort of like, meh, the team's just not all right in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this uh, one guy that I liked when I had watched Heat games, though, is this Hawkes guy. And so I, I imagine that he could probably get a little bit more playtime. He's, he's like one of their younger players. He's a he's a forward for them. And really just overall his game, it just seems like he's playing within the flow of the offense pretty well right now. I, I don't. I don't know, like, if his skill set is suited to, like, I don't think he's going to, like, start taking over games anytime soon or anything like that, but he just seems to know if they're running some kind of scheme, he's pretty good at just kind of being a role man or playing, like, a bunch of different options. He can sit in the corner and he can actually shoot some threes here and there, so it feels like he's not a person that's going to that's gonna hinder them, but I'm just, like, trying to look for a, a bright spot here in a team that otherwise doesn't really seem to have any unless they make a big trade. All right, you pick one then. Who are you going with now? Okay, so I'm kind of, yeah, so just kind of stay in the middle of the pack here. I actually, it's kind of weird because this team's obviously doing very well in the in-season tournament, but I really didn't count them as a contender before the in-season tournament. That's the Pacers. Uh, the Pacers yes. to me were just not, not quite, like, it does seem to me right now that this team is just popping off because Tyrese Halliburton is ascending in oh, a 10-game stretch. Yeah, he's going, he's going, he's going absolutely crazy. I, I mean, I talked about him before the season started as someone that's going to be like, the, the league is in good hands if this guy is going to be one of the players that is going to lead the way. And he has been so phenomenal. But I will say that there's a couple of things that still worry me a little bit more about the Pacers. One is that I feel like the... The output from some of the other players right now just seems to be elevated because I, I think Halliburton is actually just an incredibly good leader. I think he's I think he's very good at getting people activated. But I will say that it's not even necessarily a personnel thing that I would totally get down on the the Pacers for. It's just that actually their style of offense is seems so Halliburton centric, and I feel like this just doesn't 
work. It, it hasn't really worked like this for a perimeter guard in, in this way, like come playoff time. What, what I mean by that is that basically when I watch the Pacers offense, which which has been successful lately because Halliburton's been so transcendent, it's so frequently dribble down the court, single pass shot. And the, the Pacers try to play incredibly high tempo. They're trying to play with like one of the highest paces in the yep. league in general because they're just trying to play a one pass offense. And sometimes that first option gets denied. And then actually they try to just get the ball back to Halliburton so he can make another decision. And that's not necessarily ter a terrible way to run an offense. It kind of reminds me of the Mavs a little bit in the way that they use Luka, where he tries to do some kind of move. If he's able to score, great. If he's not, he just kind of like finds a, a, a release valve somewhere and he tries to just d dish a pass out. And yeah, Halliburton's been fantastic at that. But I've noticed that when actually the Pacers have tried running some more advanced schemes, they actually have a really tough time getting the ball to the right places because it just doesn't seem like everybody on this team is a ball handler nor a distributor. And so it feels like if, if for whatever reason, like come playoff time there's just a bad perimeter matchup like give me um give me give me just give me like a drew holiday for example and and have him try to lock down somebody like tyrese halliburton i think this team really will start to clam up because it's kind it almost also reminds me of like when the warriors played the the raptors and they the raptors played the box in one where they just always had a defender on curry because this the, the offense is so limited when you're basically playing out of a guy that is having to take the ball all the way down and then he has to become a distributor also if if you can't really rely on the other players on the team miles turner is like really solid for the paces and all that but i also i just don't really see other people on this team necessarily shouldering the burden if he's if halliburton gets gets clamped and he's gonna get clamped like let's just like it's gonna happen like i've, I've seen so many transcendent point guards if you're I mean, not, he's like 22 like, years old so mentally he like he's not that old so oh, he's 23 yeah. apparently so to be fair he's like experience i expect him to get wrecked in the playoffs course yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna happen, and when that day comes, I just don't know if the Pacers have the necessary depth, or maybe just the playmaking from some of the players. And it's kind of one of those things where in the in season tournament, I think they're playing the way that they should play. But actually, what's funny about this in season tournament is it's like you know it blinds you to the fact that it come adjust like like the playoffs are all like is when really coaches start to throw like good coaches start to show what they're made of because they start to make game to game adjustments. And the thing is that right now the one dimensional offensive approach from the Pacers, which is run everything through Halliburton is working because nobody's used to it and they're playing him one time. But if they have to play him in seven, seven games, that's when I expect that Halliburton is going to have some more difficulties and the Pacers. My problem is this. I have no I barely have any notes to say that are bad about Halliburton. He's had an insane globe. Like, he already was promising, and now he actually legitimately is one of those people who looks like he might be, if he continued, one of the new stars of the NBA, which is obviously super cool if you, like, think about Indiana's, like, a basketball heritage, and they're a team that everyone thought was going to be mayor for a long time and have no relevance. The problem is this, Maui. Like, one thing I do hate is when someone is supposed to be the point guard, and by the way, he's good as a point guard. He can find the pass, but the joke is he's almost all always better at taking the shot than whoever he passes it to. That's a nightmare. Like, it's actually very hard to run a team like that. And so the problem I have is this. It, as you say, the pace they play at is they are trying to be like, if they score 120, we score 130. That means sometimes, by the way, they give up 150, 140, 130. Like, they give up a lot of fucking points with this style of player. And the problem with that is, if you have one guy who essentially can just be the offense, dude, that's best when you have a low-scoring team, if you know what I mean. Like, that's best when your team's like, everyone, like, can play off the ball, defend, and then it's like, we have games that are like 105 to 103, 
And then, yes, our guy with great numbers and all across the board puts up 40 points and gets his eight assists. That's a dream scenario. The worst thing ever. Everyone will know who saw the old school days of the Suns with the seven seconds or less offense will know the reason why, in the same way as they used to do awesome against volume scorers, there's a reason why they didn't have a volume scorer. They had everyone sort of get 20 points, if you remember, or like Sean Merriam would get the, the, the slashes to the basket and then Steve Nash would take like the mid-range and the three-point shots and then have a whole bunch of three-point players and they have like Barbosa would slash inside. And the point I'm making here is you use yeah. the fact you were playing up-tempo to get everyone on the board, basically. Famously, yeah. if you had like, the reason Kobe Bryant would sometimes score 50 and lose is because 50 doesn't cut it when your team can't score over 110 anyway. If the other team can score 130, it, you actually just by scaling the game up, neutralize the volume scorer. So the problem here is you've got the volume scorer on the team that has to play this pace. So I feel like, as you're saying, dude, you've essentially put all your marbles into this one fucking basket. All the eggs are in the basket of Halliburton and he is 23 years old. If he just gets the right either elite wing, like say, say they played the Clippers or something, that would be game over, mate. All they need is like the right person to make the game hard for him, then add playoff pressure and it's going to crumble. And it won't be his fault, by the way. This is a, like, he shouldn't even be in this position. If anything, I would want him to be like the sidekick to someone and then he'd be fucking going for the championship. So yeah, the problem at the moment is great news that it's like a good problem to have that you found this start at the moment it's like I mean his numbers are impossible if he continues this he's going to be one of the best players ever guys so like it looks really sick right now the problem is like, again this is where like team identity is so essential it's not about just get a good player and put them on a team you got to put them on the team that suits them you know what I mean because let's be real this team's still ass on defense so they're going to yeah, give yeah. up one million points that that was what I was gonna bring up next is that their defense is just so it's so flimsy like like to me the best defender on the team is Miles Turner who's pretty good at uh, just kind of moving around around the restricted area and just kind of contesting shots here and there but they are pretty undersized and it's that the the Pacers for example I think they I think uh, they're right now I'm pretty sure I heard this that they're they're giving up like the least threes of any team but the thing is that they're scored against in the paint more than anybody oh, so it's even worse yeah exactly yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> yeah it's just like that sounded were, so were, good the first part of that sentence didn't it yeah yeah they were they were they were i think i don't know if that was a preseason number that i remember hearing or reading somebody or, i could it believe just, it yeah. man. i could believe yeah it. they were they were so disgustingly good at just like i mean they were so so disgustingly good at stopping it it sounded like when i first read that too but then it's like yes yeah miles turner miles turner is good but he's not He's not Gobert, uh, and he's, I would say he, he's a, I'd actually probably put him as like a top 12 rim protector in the league, maybe maybe around that 12th to 10th mark, 12th to 9th mark, but that's just not good enough to actually win championships in my eyes. But I, it's it's really interesting how actually, just kind of on a tangent here, the way that this in-season tournament is kind of like if you were playing Counter-Strike and you just had some crazy strategy, like a wall of smoke strat that nobody really figured out in the time like that the, the tournament's running. If it were just BO1s, if you could just BO1 your way through, that's kind of what the in-season tournament is. It's kind of why we don't really respect the results of BO1s and what goes on during the regular season. And the excitement of the tournament has actually kind of made us forget that this is why we don't care because you can kind of just get away with a gimmicky style oh, for sure. and, and, and just and your your example of the like the phoenix suns in the early 2000s like the mike d'antoni led ones is is a really apt comparison for what i'm seeing from these pacers right now because Halliburton is playing he's a lot like nash he's actually a lot like nash in a lot of ways yes which is a compliment
Yeah, that's good. No, yes, he's, I mean, if you take his last 10 game stretch, he's better. He's playing better than ever, anybody. Just just flat out like the assist to turnover ratio, his scoring, his efficiency, all of that has just been absurd. And the fact that he's actually putting it up in some some pretty big moments, too, like in terms of clutch, how how he played late down the stretch against the Bucks too. like he was the best player on the floor. Let me see. Right, here's what's funny. I'll bring this team up because they were one of the ones I said, if everything went amazing, it could be. I still think they can be good. It is the Clippers. So obviously the Clippers had mm. that thing where they did start by losing a bunch of games. So the record to me is a little bit deceptive. They were bringing in, listen, if you bring James Harden in, he is going to like, like that, that, that's like binary. It either works or it doesn't. And you know what's funny? Even though he's got this massive ego, he's been the man everywhere else. It's actually starting, in my opinion, to work. Dude, he actually looks like he is starting to watch. The good thing about James Harden is this, right? Whereas I only want Russell Westbrook to win the offense. James Harden could run an offense. People actually were always too rude on him in that sense. He only took a million shots when he had no teammates on their injuries. He can run an offense like a motherfucker. The problem always is, is like, is he going to be motivated? Is he just going to take bad shots when he could pass? He definitely could pass to a different person. He actually looks like he's doing a decent enough job in this team. Like, I actually think this team's sort of starting to get it together. And I do think you do have enough pieces here. Like, I think, like I said before, I do think this is where Russell Westbrook at the end of this team will have reclaimed his whole reputation. I think people will realize he was wronged in past seasons and by certain teams like I actually think a lot of people are sort of turning their narrative around a little bit so the problem at the moment is the record like you must yeah. you obviously have to get into the playoffs you, at some point you have to turn on luckily if anyone knows the one upside of the 82 game season is if you're actually good when you actually get good you just win at like 75% of your games and then you, suddenly you have the games you need to get in there's enough games to still do it but I'm not, I'm not as scared of, like, I wasn't, I'm not a fan of this team in general, but I wasn't as scared as I was initially. Like, I, I thought there was a world where this completely blows up and they get everything with shit and someone leaves, you know, so I don't know. And, and in terms of what they need, though, that's the tough one. Because in theory, they've got some very good pieces. Like, I actually yeah. just feel like they just need more from the stars. That's it. That would be all I would say, I think. It's, I it's tough. It's tough to really try to nail what the Clippers need because usually it was easy to cite the fact that their health was such an issue for them. But this is like Kawhi has played the vat. Like he, he hasn't had any issues sitting. at all, has he? That's yeah, it. That worked, man. Yeah, they're all yeah, healthy. He, they're all playing. They're all healthy. So it, it's kind of and when you look at a lot of like. The stuff with the Clippers is is also really curious because you if you break down some of the numbers, like their net rating, they're top seven in the league, which would make you think that they're supposed to be in terms of record really good. Dude, you'll see every now and then they'll, they'll have like one game against a top team and they'll look really fucking good and you'll be like, oh shit, is this team? But then like you say, if you just look at the rest of the rest, they'll lose a game to anyone after that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really it's, it's really curious. Like I, I feel like... Come playoff time, I think they're going to be really, really worrisome for a lot of different teams. And I, I think that as it stands right now, they're just kind of like on a correction where they're trying. Because I, I think the beginning, it was actually to me for the Clippers, was just a lack of cohesion. And I think that they were actually starting to figure out. And, and so in a weird way, actually, this is one of those rare times where I'm actually saying like just give them time and I think, yeah, I think but so. give, if you give them if you give them a spread of 20 more games I think they're going to come out winning probably 13 to 14 of those games because against practically you know 50 50 competition 500 level competition they're going to come out ahead so 
Yeah, I I don't actually really have anything to. No, to no, put I forward. I just thought I'd pick again a team that like I'm buying the stock yeah. more essentially since I know it would also be out. Of yeah. My angle of this is I agree with you. This is the team that after the, you know the New Year break or whatever does the run and then they get in the playoffs and then let's see because here's the thing defensively they're not bad. Obviously they've got some players are fantastic. Exactly like I said, if you want to shut down some perimeter players. They, that's what they've got. It's what, was, it's what the promise always was. They just never got the bloody stars to the playoffs, did they? And then I've got to say as well, the other angle I've got to throw out is this. Dude, if I told you James Harden joins this team and doesn't even take 11 shots a game, you wouldn't believe me. And by the way, that's not James Harden pouting. Dude, I think he actually is happy in this team. I think like, sort of like Russell Westbrook, he's sort of finding like, life's not that bad actually when everyone's not just only looking at you and hating on you. Like, let's just play ball. I'll just take what I can get, you know? So it's kind of cool that they're both sort of turning it around in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Because um, when he does, because here's the other thing, when he plays oh, like this, oh. I, I like him, dude. His game's good. He's still oh, yeah, a skilled yeah, yeah. player. He's not an idiot. Oh, he is an idiot, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's it's not harm harming the team at this point in time. At this point in time, yeah. stay out the strip yeah. club, mate. Stay out the strip club. <laughs> yeah, he's only making uh, it rain from three guys from three. Okay, <laughs> except when he's in Houston and he's it's raining everywhere there. Yeah, right, go on then, pick yeah. one. Who do you want? I, I would just go to the other LA team. I'll go to the other LA oh, team because again, it's like another the team most divisive just... team in basketball. In other words. <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, they're under the spotlight right now, too. They're about to play the finals of the in-season tournament against the Pacers. The Lakers have been on a nice streak here lately. And, um, I mean, I'll say, I mean, like, LeBron has been playing fucking amazing. Like, he's been he's been sure. actually balling out of control for the last couple games for them when the, in this in-season tournament. It's like, finally, when something's on the line for LeBron, we, we do remember that he can be really good. But it's just like, when it's a regular season game... He's still been actually very good in the regular season in this year, but it's just been, it feels so much lazier, but when he's locked in, man, he was bombing some threes again yesterday. He was, uh, he looked like, honestly, LeBron looks like in this season, in this in-season tournament, I'm actually so worried for Halliburton and the young Pacers, just because if you see LeBron just in this form all of a sudden, I think that they can just handle manhandle them. And so, but but for things that kind of concern me about the Lakers, when I kind of take off the in-season tournament goggles and think about them more as a holistic picture, is that they just aren't really the best in terms of like per perimeter shooting. If you get if you get LeBron to drive, he's fantastic. If you get AD inside, he's been pretty good, but he's been streaky. Like some games he's there, some games he's not there. But then when it comes to three points and three point attempt rate, they're like bottom. They're bottom four in the league in terms of three point attempt rate. Uh, they're just they just don't really even seem to hit a good clip of their threes either. They, I, I'm not. I'm not really certain that you can put together a winning offense right now that is predicated on LeBron drives and AD seeing if he's got it for the day, whereas other teams just seem to be so much more versatile in terms of their weapons. Yeah, my main problem goes like this. It's a lot of the names that we've always talked about the whole fucking time with the Lakers. So just as has always been the problem since Anthony Davis came to this team, the reason why, if you're a LeBron fan, you will always be tortured by this Lakers core is because in your heart of hearts, you know it and I know it, LeBron has to help Anthony Davis be the best player on the court if he wants to win. 
If that doesn't happen, they're not going to win the championship. By the way, it can happen. The problem with Anthony Davis is he's one of the craziest two-faced players you'll ever see. One day, he is the guy who will drop 40 and 20 and blocks and fucking amazing percent. But then the next day, you know he might only take 14 shots and, may, you know, get a few rebounds and just look like he doesn't give a fuck, which doesn't pair well with a LeBron who, I mean, I've said this on the past, we went into it on the past episode, I think has gotten essentially Fugazi fucking extension to his career because one only rings matter to his legacy so obviously he just saves energy in the regular season and then goes ham in the playoffs and then two in doing so even skips games and is lackadaisical on both defense and in regular season well guess what you're not that's not the guy I want essentially like this is the guy that's going to activate AD it's like is it mate he's taking games off too like how are we going to complain about this so that I agree with you though actually this season so far LeBron is actually playing much better than last season now again if you're a LeBron stan, you're painted in a corner. You already said he was playing the absolute best level every single year, including last year. So you sound like a fucking moron now. I actually know what prime LeBron was like, so I don't think that at all. So I actually think this bounce back is a lot better. Like, for example, it's three-point shooting is way better, mate. Way yeah. better. Before, yeah. he actually looked kind of stupid in some of those shots because you just think, just drive, bro. These ones, if he could shoot like this, I'm with you. Problem again is, right, I'll... Everyone who's a Laker fan loves to hate on D'Angelo Russell. He's just the scapegoat permanently. Well, <laughs> problem is, you're going to go, Thorin, he's playing all right now. Yeah, he is. And the problem is, it ain't the playoffs. So we all yeah. know this is the fucking, he's fool's gold. He is a good player by the way. That's what, that's what kills me. To me, I feel like, I even feel like in the modern day, someone like D'Angelo Russell doesn't get it. You should never have come back to a team like the Lakers. You don't understand your profile or what you're going to do in a team. You should, for real, be on like a, a small market, not so great team or average team. And then you can be like one of the stars. Like they'll take your ups and your downs and they'll take your skills and you can actually shine in that. Essentially, you need to be Damian Lillard, mate. You need to fuck off and find some team like that. They, you, they're going to always look like this and go, oh, but 16 points a game, that's just like enough to tip us over in some regular season games. Put him in a series, he'll go missing. By the way, he clearly doesn't handle pressure. He clearly doesn't like that spotlight and everyone blaming him. And also, I don't know, I'm sure in the locker room, LeBron does say all the right things, but I have always got the sense, this is the analogy you'll appreciate. It reminds me of... Every LeBron team reminds me of the fucking MIBR SK Gaming core, where it's like they themselves don't flame the guy that's doing badly on the team. You know, the fifth player's always doing shit, whether it's Bolts or Phelps or whoever it might be, Attack or whoever it might be. They don't flame him, but they're totally happy hanging that guy out to dry to be flamed by everyone else because they don't want to get flamed. Better this guy, better Bolts gets banged on than us. Otherwise, they might look at what we're doing wrong. And so, yeah, that's my problem with this team is like, it's a mess. To mess from top to bottom. And then lastly, you nailed it, mate. Here's the worst thing about this team is you're trying to play an up-tempo pace. You're trying to score in this game, right? Bro, where are the shooters? Yeah. Where are the In that seven seconds or less team I was talking about before, dude, that's before the three-point was even a thing everyone had to do and that team was stacked with people. Like, if you don't know people like Leandro Barbosa as a slasher who at the time could shoot, like, lights out from three if you give him a spot-up open three. Like, bro, it's one of the things I find so bizarre about LeBron's career. As a quick tangent. I want to get your take on this, Maui. You know the whole thing of LeGM, right? All his fans do to fight against that is the equivalent of me saying to you, I've heard Nico did this, and then you just show me an interview where he goes, I didn't do that. And then you think you've conclusively proved I am wrong. Essentially, LeBron clearly 
worse than Nico, a million times worse than Nico, clearly does engineer these moves. And his management especially. I think, by the way, don't worry, I'm sure he, like a mob boss, he doesn't say, kill this guy. He does the, you know, who will rid me of this tiresome priest? And then off his agents, clutch agent, and then they just do it all for him as well. I think that's what happens, right? So all you need, and Rob Palenka, if people don't know, is thick as thieves with fucking LeBron, isn't he? Obviously, he, he sees him as the new Kobe, and he wants him as his start, and then he's... Rob Plenka's smart enough to know the more rings that come, the more I did it, the more it's me who gets to get the credit. So they're all clearly in on the same idea. Why do LeBron in his teams, beyond the heat, which he didn't build, that was the team built by Riley, etc. They were the only one who ever put old Ray Allen, old Mike Miller, the three-point specialists around him so he can kick. Now you've got a player who can't be beaten driving one way and he can kick to a three... Dude, this just seems like the easiest pick-me-up of all. This solution to this one's easy, mate. There's a million three-point shooters in the league. Chuck me a couple of three-point shooters into this team and then tell LeBron, kick it. Just kick it to <laughs> yeah. them. We'll, we can we can win the game, mate. Because right now, they're like, the problem the Lakers have, and this is a nightmare. I actually think, just for the suffering of the LeBron fans, I hope you win that in-season tournament because you're going to be dining out on that the whole <laughs> playoffs, boys. Because as it stands right now, the problem with the Lakers is they're not bad, they're good, but they're not quite good enough for anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The The... The like the, the GM not getting shooters type of deal is so is so weird because because think how many like, teams were like that. He's had a lot of teams. It feels like where he doesn't he doesn't seem to view the game that way himself. He doesn't want shooters. It feels like I don't get it. Well, he kind of like forces people to become that role after he realized and it's almost like like I'm thinking of the Cavs lineup for example, like around 2016 or so, where they were using their shooters that LeBron would kick out to would be people like. Kevin Love, who yep. wasn't really a spot up three guy until he started playing yep. with LeBron. And it's like, well, now he's got to do that or else. Yep. And then also, and also, uh, J.R. Smith, like J.R. Smith suddenly became Streaky a streaky player. Up three guy. The idea he's yeah. your spot up. I know. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. That's not the kind of guy that I really want to just stand in a corner all the time. So, yeah. And then you, th you look at this lineup and like the people that are supposed to be, those guys are like, Austin Reeves, uh, I guess D'Angelo Russell himself, Rui Che Hach Hachimura actually has been has been kind of that guy also for them. But they just they're not they don't seem to just get enough touches or they're not playing. By the way, let me ask you yeah. something because I I feel like I've seen this play story play out. Like Austin Reeves is a good player. I enjoy watching him play. I already saw Alex Caruso play for this team. It was the same story. You what? Because you liked him and he has heart. You want to make him a star. They can only go so far. These guys. Yeah. They they are like cool, like spark plug players. They're not going to be like a bona fide star. They're not going to. There's no extra level they're going to jump up to. Like they're good, but that can't. Be, like that can't. That has to be at the end of the list of names I'm going through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Austin Reeves is someone that you would probably hope to be on a championship roster, your fifth best player. At yeah, that would be he's, awesome. He's kind of like their maybe third or fourth. I can't really. Yeah, I, he's I good. Know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd put him like between him and D'Angelo Russell. I'd probably have to say D'Angelo Russell's a little bit better, but that's not that's not really ideal that I, that is kind of actually have to shake him down like that. So, yeah, it's not it's not a great position for them. Um, I, I feel like. Also, when you're playing... Oh, I've got West. one other thing to throw out to you. Look, this yeah. technically has nothing to do with this team because if you look, Anthony Davis takes fuck off. He doesn't even take one three-pointer a game. No, but no. what really scared me, you might have seen this quote, was that quote by Darvin Ham where he said... 
he wanted Anthony Davis to attempt six three-pointers a game. <laughs> the reason that is absolute insanity is, look, if a big man, who, if any of the all-time greats had to take threes, he would make the most. That's because they'd be terrible. Like Shaq would make one out of 50, you know. Also, yeah, yeah. the reason I don't get it is this guy's mid-range, what LeBron actually is famously not that good at, is buttery smooth. This guy yeah. does like the does. I always, it's like I said, he does like a further out version of Wilt Chamberlain. He comes in, he stops, and then he does a fadeaway. You can't block someone like this if they do a fadeaway. By the way, like look how big he is, and he actually has that touch. He does have a touch to his shooting. So I've always felt like, why would you ever have this guy do a three pointer? Like you missed the point, in my opinion. That's that. You're, he should be the exception that proves the rule. Everyone does three pointers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean. In terms of match, actually, what's funny is that with how good LeBron has been shooting this season from three, actually, you would think that this match actually should 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 actually have the winning formula yeah. for winning a trophy because yep. you have two players that can rise up to be S tier on any yes. given day in LeBron or AD. And they yet, can both be the best player in the league in theory on a day. Not not consistently, but for a day, absolutely. Yeah, actually, you know what? The more I really think about the streak that the, the Lakers have had, I it's like I don't want to get like too over over my head with this one, but I actually think that the Lakers right now, in terms of the West and how it's broken down, it's hard for me to not see them as third behind the Nuggets and Timberwolves. Like I I want it. I was thinking like you know, is it is the Thunder there? Are the are the Suns there? But like actually. I take right now. I take the Lakers over both of those teams, and the team Timberwolves just seem like a more built team. And I don't. I mean, we don't need to talk about them because we've talked about them enough in our last episode. And they're they're just good. They're definitely really good. But yeah, it's um, it, it's just that I feel. I guess I guess the thing is, it's the lack of balance really with this team, which is like rare because you'd hope that they would have a better third piece. I guess it's depth. Yeah, depth is the thing that this team doesn't seem to have right now. I mean, I just don't understand the construction. I've actually found the Lakers yeah. the whole time LeBron's been there. To be, that's why if he isn't at all involved with the GM shit, he's fucking it up. Like, if I would have had extra, yeah. extra... What I would have done, like I said before, I would, if I were him, just gone to a good GM and then you let them build the team over four years. You know what I mean? Also, he has done that thing, which I think is very stupid, which is cause every season he wants to win the championship. That's going to make you make bad decisions. It would be like in Counter-Strike if every major you have to cut someone to try and win the next major. Dude, that sounds like it'd be a great strategy. I don't think you'd win many majors doing that. You know what I mean? If you look at it, no. people usually don't even win the first major with the lineup Maui. Like you win like maybe your second or third one once everything clicks and it's then it's got and then you're not changing something crazy like that. So I, I the problem with the Lakers is they'll always have infinite spotlight. I understand people will get hyped and people will be super into it. Probably also just help they've got such a massive Hispanic fan base as well. Like they love to get super behind the people they support and believe they're going to be the best. Have you ever seen like Mexican boxers? They have insane fan bases, mate. But the point is they'd, they'd fight you to the death if you said anyone could beat that guy, you know. So it's why actually, <laughs> yeah. it's funny, everyone says LeBron won't make it in LA. I think he's a perfect fit. The LeBron stand is basically a Laker fan, except the obviously the joke is they used to be Kobe fans. That's why the OGs just hate on him. The modern fans should be loving LeBron, if anything. I don't think it's even a issue in that regard but I don't just here's the funny thing mate after all the years it's funny because during Kobe's career the West was easily the best conference pretty much the entire time in this era man the West's gotten mad sus now like we're talking about bro once you go past the top couple of teams we're just awash with like above average slash good teams and none of these teams should be champions like dude like I said for me the teams like the Mavs they're not gonna win the championship they fucking mix it up in the West though whereas I go in the East like you're saying, look, some teams lack a superstar, but you can go like five, six teams deep and have like good teams in the East. That's good teams.
Yeah, yeah. The the East is more stacked for sure right now. When I look at when I look at the teams that are like like we placed Miami pretty low, for example. Yeah. And I think Miami might be if they were in the West, they'd probably be the third best team for me. That'd be a solid team for sure. Yeah, I think they would be right behind the Timberwolves and above the Lakers for me. In term they'd be like right on the level of the Lakers, I guess. Yeah. But I would right. have them above most teams. I've got one for you then. Because okay. I'll tell you what, obviously I had to put them. Listen, when you look at a roster with stars, you have to give them credit. They could do well. Holy fuck. The Suns ain't working, bruh. This oh, just yeah. shows you can't build, you know, on paper super, keyword on paper. You can't build on paper super teams. Because, mate, if you look at this team, they are just less than the sum of their parts. I mean, I know Bradley Beal's being injured or okay, whatever. Like, I get that. But even so, the joke of their team is they didn't even need him. They were you already have the superstars. Like, why did... So, okay, he can come back. But even if he comes back, are they really going to win? Are they going to win the championship? The th yeah, the thing with the thing with them that I was p trying to pick on when I was like... Because they played the Lakers recently. Because low-key, kind of if you are Durant or Booker, what are you doing wrong? You're just playing your job, getting the star numbers, you're shooting great. Everything's going great, but the team isn't it, mate. This team I, just isn't it. I think I think a lot of it actually to me, if I were to pick if I were to pick a player on the Suns that I watched and I was like, oh, this is really where I would upgrade the position, it's it's Yusuf Nurkic. I don't really think that that guy is the, the center that I want for this team. You already have enough scoring, you already have enough motion in your offense. You don't really need a guy that's trying to be like like he's a like Nurkic right now is like a poor man's Sabonis. He's like a poor man's Jokic. He's a poor man's like he's like one of those European centers that is really good when he gets the ball in the paint and then has an option for distributing. But it's like, why do you even need that guy? You just don't you just like that's not the skill set you're looking for. And that's why it's really such a shame for the Suns that Aiton had to like just throw a hissy fit and leave for this team because from this team because he was like really kind of what you wanted. You want a bruising center, you want a guy that's gonna get a lot of defensive rebounds, you want a guy that you can kind of just dump the ball into, run a pick and roll with and be athletic and jump but like Nurkic just isn't that guy he's a little bit more flat-footed he doesn't really have like the same athleticism as someone like Aiton did and then you're playing with two very like Booker has been so good and Durant has been so good Booker has also been playing point now for this team as opposed to shooting guard as before and he is great as a distributor he's actually been finding his spots a lot I almost like actually now whereas before for some of the Durant-led teams, I didn't mind when Durant would bring the ball down the floor. But after watching them versus the Lakers, it was like Durant sometimes doesn't really feed the right guy or he doesn't really get the offense in the right motion. And Booker does does that well. Like Booker knows how to do that. And so this is a great two-man core between the two of them, between Durant and Booker. Beal is just, to me, it's, it's almost like, yes, you're going to get him and it's an offensive luxury to have somebody like Beal who's going to probably put up 20 plus points per game. But I also just think defensively, he's going to actually make this team a little bit worse than Eric or what Eric Gordon or Grayson Allen's doing right now. And then then beyond that, like again, the center position is still just one where I really need a little bit more. I want someone better. And both, I think it's Eubanks also was like the backup for Nurkic. I actually think maybe his defense could be slightly better than Nurkic's, but I don't I would love for this team to just find somebody that's more of just a solid rim protector and and can kind of get out of the way too. Like a guy that you have to respect his range a little bit, but like don't don't get a guy that that wants to be the center of things because Nurkic when they run the offense and like Nurkic is just kind of clogging the paint because he thinks he's going to get a pass and then do a, like a little shorthand shovel pass just like distributor thing it's like why why are we doing this extra pass like it's one team where I actually want them to pass one time less than than more 
Another problem I have is you have so many guards that want to shoot or handle the ball and have in their career. Like you've had, the real joke is this is nuts, mate. This is this reminds me of like that fucking complexity where they had like Blame F and Cold Zero and JKS. There's only one lurker. Or you can go with yeah. Nip now, where they had every entry, they had config and res and fu- they came it. Bro, what are we doing here? Like like these all play all these players are good, not all at the same time. Because I'm mm. with you, those two, we've already got it covered with the ball handling. We've got Kevin Durant and Booker, that's great. Can we have everything else? No, because why? Do, it's not a surprise the, the game is going to crawl to a pace when you have a million people where it's like street ball. It's like, right, my turn, give me it. Did a one-on-one move, Jimmy. Oh. It's like everyone else has done like one and a half shots in the time that we did that, mate. Like they're up and down the court already. They found an open three, a guy inside, picking up back, and we're just still fucking dancing on people. Like that might even end up being look, if you can get in the playoffs, that might even win your games. Like you have enough players, it's gonna be hard to shut people down. But at the same time, like the team just isn't actually fucking overall good enough. Like, oh, it's a killer. It's a killer. And, I, and Bradley Beal is not going to solve that problem. He is going to add no, to that problem no. while subtracting defense, like you said. So yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get the roster construction. It's it's like I almost feel like they are trying to have some homage to the idea of the old sons of like, let's just get loads of like loads of players and we'll have a lot. But you're not you don't play like that. You don't play up tempo. That's not your game. It's, it's like there's the, the thing with Nurkic on the team is like there's two different schools of thought that are being exercised at the same time when I watch this team play. You got a great point guard who can just run a pick and roll with Durant at any given moment, and you're just going to have a great, great game that you could just kind of rely your, your you could build your whole offense around that. But then you have this other center who's just trying to do his own thing and make decisions on offense, and it's like. Please don't. Please, please just get out of the way. Just, just don't, don't, don't f this up for everybody else because everybody else is doing actually a good enough job, and you just need to work on your defense and be better at it. Now, do you see why I said, just like every other season, I have to say Kevin Durant will be an MVP candidate. Look, he isn't going to be because his team hasn't won enough games. But what did he do wrong? I will genuinely ask people who watch basketball, what does Kevin Durant do wrong outside of choosing teams? Because I'll tell you what, mate, actually, it does matter what team you put LeBron in as to how we'll play, how we'll choose. Kevin Durant looks to me, no joke, like the most plug-and-play superstar maybe ever, mate. Everywhere he goes, because he has just mastered his bag. He just does his shit everywhere. It's why, in a way, Maui, he, it's why he must be so cavalier that he thinks, like, it doesn't matter where he goes or he can just leave our second door. Actually, I, I think I'll just become a different person and go to this other team now, like, because his game always travels. He arrives and he's still Kevin Durant. He's still fucking insane. Godlike three-point shooter to this day. Still, by the way, consider what an insane mid-range bag he has. What an insanely good fucking three-point shooter this guy is. Like, it's only the fact he's long, so it doesn't look like the perfect job jump shot that means people still like just talk like he's just good at it he's fucking bonkers mate this guy can shoot ed i think i always say i would give him the perma green light mate like the joke yeah. is not even a green light he's just on the autobahn you go as fast as you like kev just keep going mate like don't if i no brakes you're not allowed to break in this car but yeah the rest of the team though like the joke is this is why the nurkic thing is a nightmare well which is it do you want inside presence are we going to play that way or do we have all these skilled guards and are they going to take the shots because you haven't really picked either you've got a tiny bit of one too much of the other and so yeah this team unfortunately i mean there's a reason why they are where they are i assume they will start to win that some of the players are so good bradley bill come back they will win more games but i feel like they'll come into the playoffs this is my prediction they'll come in as like say the sixth seed or the fifth seed and they'll just be like a second round exit they'll just they'll just they'll underwhelm 
Because like I say, Booker and Durant can't do more than this. They can't do more than this. And you've already seen they can lose to many teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Pick one more, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always can talk about the Warriors because, I mean, I had them as a team that in the very beginning of the season when they were on a nice little hot streak, it felt like they were incredibly competitive and then all of their deficiencies have bubbled to the surface and I'm well too aware of what this team needs. I mean, look, mate, I mean, one thing you can't be liking is they already had problems and then you buy GP the seconds out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. no. This looks like to me. This is scary because this is where you've got a bad record and you do that like skid over the Christmas holidays, and then you're gonna have to absolutely cook the league after that, mate. You're gonna have to go fucking like I say, like eighty percent win rate or something mental. Yeah, and and uh, it's it's tough because uh, I actually think it comes down to like a few different things for them. Where I would love for them to pick up a rim protector center it just size size on this team is just Dude, not i'm there. guessing you there's the thing when maui says that we're not we're not always asking for the best place you just mean literally like the joke is like like old school andrew poker you just want some guy who's a big body right there was a rumor last or two seasons ago i remember when actually i think it was even the season that they won the championship where they were thinking of trading around to get miles turner and right. I, I, when when I heard that, I was so excited. I was I was really hoping that would have happened. I think they might have ended up winning the championship anyways that season, so it didn't matter. But after, if it was after, if it was the season after that, then I mean that would just be such a slam dunk move for them. They just need a guy that's big inside because Draymond and Looney are really they're really good in a small ball kind of lineup and a setup where they can do enough. But like now that it's just the, the, the fact of the matter is when you're playing through the West, you have to play through Jokic and you to, the only people that can really harm Jokic are people that are like seven feet tall bruiser types like yep. like deandre ayton like um like gobert obviously like those guys are going to stand a chance against him yes. but it, and and even bam out in a way is can can hold his own against someone like like uh Jokic. but right now the warriors have nobody that can stop him and they have nobody that can stop ad like they have t- there's two huge mismatches in terms of personnel and the warriors have yes. no answers for those two kinds of guys and even when i watched them play the the thunder they couldn't even really stop chet holmgren like this guy's a rookie he's a, he's essentially a rookie you know so he had to sit he had to sit for his first years because of injury but like that guy shouldn't be torching the warriors and so for them Playing these, these some of these like late game lineups where they have to play Curry, Paul, Wiggins, Thompson, Green. It's just like your tallest player is six foot seven. Like this is and like that's so that's just not tall enough in this league where now there's going to be guys that are half a foot taller than you on the opposing team and they're going to be able to have they have offensive skill sets now. So you can't really live with those kinds of lineups. And so. You could also go through a different like there's another avenue here you could i I was pretty high on um one of the centers for the for the warriors that um earlier on in the season and um uh trace jackson davis and i feel like that guy has just kind of vanished i don't know if he's just not getting enough play or what but even if you just kind of like look flat out at the roster construction and size the tallest player that they have right now is dario saric and he's pretty good but he kind of is like he reads a little bit He's not actually he's got more perimeter game than someone like Nurkic, for example, but like that's that guy's not a rim protector. Like Sarge is not a rim protector. Then your second tallest player is Looney at six foot nine, and then you're just you're just well, well undersized at that point. So I'm I'm pretty worried about that. And if they don't make some kind of big move. I've got a question then, for you. Yeah, yeah. Just for the existing roster, you've watched the Warriors the whole time they've played. What the fuck is wrong with Clay Thompson? 
His shot selection is so bad. His shot selection is just the worst it's ever been. He just, if he touches the ball, it's like when I watch Clay, it's like the analogy of this is like you have a really hot girlfriend who needs attention all the time. And so okay. for, for Clay, it's like if you don't, if you give him a, a smidgen of attention, he's just going to like run with it super fast. He's going to like instantly, like he just has to throw the ball up. Like he just has to go with it. And, um, but the thing is, if you don't give him attention and he doesn't get enough touches, then it, that's why he kind of falls into this cycle where it's like, oh, the next time he touches the ball, he's going to just like chuck it immediately. Right. And you, you, you look in his direction for a second and he, it's like, <laughs> It's like, you know, he's going to throw a fit, basically. He has, to, he has to do something to remind you of his presence. And it's, it's I mean, if it were up to me today and I were really concerned, like, it's so hard to say this because of all of what Clay and this, this group has been through. I'm looking to offload Clay. I might be looking to offload Wiggins. I, I, I think that with Curry and Draymond, you actually still have some really good core elements to that roster because Draymond still plays great defense and he's actually a really can be a really good fast break distributor and he just can take some of that load off of Curry. But as it stands, I just think that there's people that are probably in the league right now that fit Clay Thompson's role can do it serviceably well probably in their young like early 20s because so many people have been built in the model of clay sure. like people people basically have been watching the warriors play for the last 10 years and so people coming out of college for the last five have been looking at clay thompson and saying i can make my game like him like three and d is now yes. such a common archetype for players yes. coming out of the, of uh, college and so there's there are people you can find that are as good as him and uh on beyond that you could also probably just go deeper into your bench like kaminga moody are both quite suitable so you could probably even just move on to them and uh at this point i just think you need i think you need to do something with this roster to give yourself some size or else there is simply no hope for a championship you can't beat ad or Jokic if you don't have a guy that's seven feet tall and a defense defensive minded yeah, as you say, a good point you actually make there that I'll draw an analogy for Counter-Strike is one of the reasons why, beyond actually the Astralis team, which people forget, the reason why you need to make it that Team Liquid did overtake them is because it's more impressive that they sort of had a second... Um, life to that lineup where they went into the Blasteralis era and then came out of it and did win another major because no one else ever does that pretty much. What happens is you have your era or your time where you're on top and you win the majors, then you never win again because you stick with the same formula forever. And the problem with you doing a formula that works is someone else will copy it or adapt it. Well, guess what? As you're saying about the height, yeah, we know the Warriors play small ball. We've been watching the last 15 years. The problem is a million people do that now. A million other people. And they have like a backup center that can do what you're asking them to do. This team doesn't. So the problem is, look, Curry could maybe like, there's maybe a few games where he could play a little bit better. He's also, he's in the same category as, as Durant. He still does his numbers every season. He's still always really great. He does all the same shit. He's mastered his game. I don't have anything to put at his feet. But again, the problem all these stars are going to have, by the way, in the modern day, is you were born in the wrong generation if you want to be a player that can just like, I do my 30 a night and then do we win? It's like that works if the teams are scoring 90 points a game. If everyone's going to score 115 points a game, your 30 is just like first check mark and we've got all these others we've got to go through. That doesn't win me the game on its own. So yeah, the problem is it's not... It's not even a curry issue here. I mean, I know every fan's going to bang on him if they do badly, but I don't think it's his fault. And on the Claire Thompson one, the issue obviously there is, look, I know the Warriors have won a lot of rings, but let's be real, at heart, 
they're still a smaller franchise to themselves. They still they know they're not the Lakers yet, mate. You're gonna have more than just one generation to become the Lakers. And the problem is, there's no universe when he actually successfully came back from an Achilles injury that they are kicking slash trading Clay Thompson. I don't believe they will do it, Maui. Unfortunately, I do believe sentimentality will get in their way. And essentially, we just we we like them are just gonna have to sit back and hope he gets his shit together. Which that's all we have to do. We have to hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's it could also be up to Kerr to just to to hope or to bench Clay. To, that could be a good move like, too. Have, Maybe spur him on or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he needs some sort of added motivation because also in in a lot of the interviews with Clay post game, he's he's almost actually put words into reporters' mouths saying like, "Oh, what are you saying that I should come off the bench?" And well, it's he's like getting a bit feisty, isn't he? Yeah, he used to be yeah, a reporter, bit chill before. What the fuck's going on? Everybody used to like him. Every, yeah. People used to be like, "Clay's the most likable yep. guy in the league. He's the most likable yep. guy on the Warriors." But the ego is clearly is yep. taking a huge hit for him right now, and yes. he's having a hard time reckoning with the fact he's just not the same player he used to be. Yes. By the way, as you saw in the bad times of Russell Westbrook, as far as I can tell, Russell Westbrook actually seems like a nice guy off the court, by the way. But whenever those players sort of get a bit petulant, it's always that like, you know, this is in Counter-Strike. The player who is playing badly, who's a star, is exactly the one who complains when you say he's playing badly as a star because he yeah. sort of knows it. He just doesn't want you to poke the wound, as it were, does he? So unfortunately, Clay, like the bad times of Westbrook, you can tell he knows his game's sort of a bit dodgy and that his space in the because he knows that when these questions come, if it was really the old Clay, I always thought the joke of why everyone said he was high all the time is he looked like he just didn't give a fuck. It just rolled over the top like, nah, whatever. Say what you like. And he knew he'd get it together. So I just hope it gets together because as I alluded to, he He's another player like Durant. Well, I can't believe how well people now come back from Achilles' fucking injury. Like, bro, my joke is my boy Kobe just missed that by like five years. Apparently, the tech's just in godlike now. Like, what, they have the fucking med bed out of sci-fi movies. And you just spin around and come out with a healed knee or something. Because now you can actually come like fully back from that injury and be as good as you were before. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and with, with people like KD and I mean there's a lot of now kind of miracle stories and even like Aaron Rodgers is coming back off of apparently uh, yeah and that was a mental yeah. one exactly so, You're supposed to never so, come back from those yeah yeah but the thing is with Clay it's, it's not actually like physicality or athleticism that has really dropped off for him it's just purely he's impatient he's, he's his shot selection is so much worse every since he actually came back off the injury I've been noticing that his shot selection is much less within the flow of the game and he just gets the ball and tries to just jack it up and I'm just I always I watch it and I'm just like did you really practice throwing it that fast like he's almost it's almost like the ball is made of like fire like he's actually literally trying to get it out of his hands or else his hands are gonna be scorched and it's just it's just poor decision making overall from him so um i i kind of hope that kerr sends a message to him and the team that if if he benches clay then uh, there's there's people that can actually earn their spot and people in my eyes that have like moody and kaminga